get around people who are doing the things that you want to do. So one of the biggest steps I took in 2019 was I was starting my business is I started to get around groups of investors and business owners. And I had no clue what they were talking about, but I just sat and I listened. And I wasn't a stupid person, but I I felt like I literally just went over to Japan and I don't know Japanese. It's like, and I would sit at these conferences and these events that cost a lot of money, more than I'd ever spent for any education or schooling or anything else. And I just sat and listened. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design a life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's going to help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today I have a fantastic guest. She's one of my favorite humans in the whole wide world. Uh, we just spent the last almost hour just catching up and talking. Mm-hmm. And we finally decided to hit record. What we shared amongst each other was like, we got to get this out here to the world. So this mm-hmm. is very good stuff. So today I have Dr. Amy Novotny. Amy is the founder of the PABR Institute. She is a ultra marathon runner. She's a, an award-winning photographer. And if she's not award-winning, I'm giving her awards because she's fantastic. <laughs> she is uh, a specialist at helping folks get over chronic pain, chronic injuries through a specialized breathing technique that we'll get into a lot further on as we get into the conversation today. But I'm really excited to bring Amy here to you. And I'm excited for her to uh, express and share some of the wisdom that she's gained here on earth. So anyways, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Randy. It's a pleasure. And it's always great to talk to you. I can be so real and you don't judge me for anything that comes out of my mouth and the the twists and turns of our conversation. So I really appreciate it. And that's exactly, I said that just before we hit recorded, I, I just really want this to be conversational. So yeah. wherever you're willing to go, we'll, we'll go. Uh, you know, I really just want to bring as much value as we possibly can to the listeners. Let's uh, just start off with, give everybody a little bit more context as far as who you are, mm-hmm. where you're from. Uh, just mm-hmm. let everybody a little bit know a little bit more about, about Amy. Yeah, sure. So I am a very curious individual and I love helping people because I hate to see them in pain. I hate to see them in suffering. And I grew up in Arizona, a very hot desert in the Phoenix area. And I was just fascinated with life. I was always curious, always wanted to push the limits on myself, the world around me, explore. So I got into traveling, seeing the world. And of course, I studied hard, wanted to go to college, get a doctorate, all those things. I just, whatever I could, I would always push the limits And that led me eventually to getting a doctorate in physical therapy and doing that for a few years and saying, you know what, didn't know enough. I got to push the limits here. So I started looking at the nervous system and then figuring out some ways of calming myself down while I was running very long distances, marathons up to 100 miles. And I realized there was aspects in the medical world and in the healthcare world that weren't being studied to help people to get out of pain and stress and anxiety. So that's where I went. And 
it led to traveling around the world, meeting amazing people. And eventually I ended up starting my own business. And that's where I'm at now, trying to get this information all out to people and get them to think about their health and their bodies differently. Well, I know that the way you do that is not necessarily mainstream, I guess, maybe would be yeah. the way to put it. It's it's really, it's very simple. The idea of the of breathing mm-hmm. and taking mm-hmm. control of your nervous system when you mm-hmm. think about it, because I've had the experience, luckily, to go through some trainings, mm-hmm. right? Different groups yeah. we've been in. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the difference between when we start to when where you end up. And it's just yeah. an amazing thing how you've taken the idea of breathing and calming your nervous system and how you've been able to impact uh, yourself. Because like you said, you, yeah. you're being an ultra marathon runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more. I've got actually a, a quote uh, in a story that you're in, or it was a, mm-hmm. a part of it where you did marathon after marathon after <laughs> marathon in like a yeah. four or five month stretch that I want to dig in a little mm-hmm. bit deeper. Sure. But that's super cool that you're yeah. able to do that and help folks with their pain, uh, anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. helping people uh, skip surgeries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's amazing thing. Yeah, it's it's really neat because when we're a kid, we walk a certain way as a toddler, as a baby, you start to walk a certain way, then that changes, that evolves. And as an older adult, you walk very differently as than when you were a child. Same thing happens with our breathing pattern. We learn, we breathe just spontaneously, hopefully, when we're born, and it develops differently as a kid. And then we're told to start doing different things with our body, hold it a certain way, chest out, shoulders back, suck up the gut, and our breathing mechanics start to change. And our movement patterns start to change. And we don't realize that often some of the advice that we've been given actually hurts us. And we become stuck and locked in our bodies and our nervous system takes a beating. So when I started realizing that and putting it together, how we could change the nervous system are the way we hold ourselves and position ourselves, which is a little bit different than posture and our breathing mechanics. And you focus on all three of those things. You can get people out of surgeries. You can get them out of anxiety. I have a gentleman who is is part of the kind of a group of people that you and I both know who came to me. I'll just tell you a quick story. And he was having trouble speaking due to stage fright, anxiety, very successful, has a business, top of his craft, trouble speaking due to anxiety. And he said to me, he said, okay, I know, I think what you do is a bunch of baloney. Like how can breathing really help? And I said, that's a little bit more than that. We have to get you to feel safe in your body again. And just this week, he sent me a text saying that he gave two huge presentations with nearly no anxiety. And he didn't have to resort to other, maybe not so good habits to help him calm down. And he was feeling great. So it's, there's a lot to it that goes beyond breathing. It's easy to pin it with breathing, but it's the nervous system plus breathing plus how you hold yourself. And that's where the magic happens. That's, so you, I've known you now for a while and I've heard stories (laughs) like, I hadn't heard that story. That's a new story. Yeah. that I've heard. And it's amazing. Yeah. Every time I hear how you've been able to help someone in need, whether it's physical or, uh, you know, with anxiety, things of that sort, it, that's just yeah. fascinating to me. That is so cool. And I can't yeah. wait to get dig in a little bit deeper yeah. in that sure. as we go along. Sure. So I've got three questions I want to run by, run by sure. it. So that way we can uh, yeah. have the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Absolutely. But the first one being, 
Who has had the biggest influence on your life? So a lot of times when we are faced with that question, we pick someone that has had a positive influence. I'm going to pick someone that didn't, it wasn't always positive. So I'm actually going to choose my mom when I talk about this. Um, I loved her dearly. She, she meant well, she did the best that she could, but there were a lot of things that aspects about her that were very challenging and quite traumatic for me growing up, but she was the biggest influence because the way she raised me, the way she treated me actually spurred me to be curious and to figure out, I need to take care of myself. I need to push beyond the limits. I watched her behavior and she had some mental health issues. She was definitely bipolar. They were also considering uh, borderline personality when she was passing away with cancer and hospice was treating her and trained to figure out how to get her to be in a stable mental state just while that she was going through hospice. And growing up, not knowing if Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde was going to be there in the morning was, was quite hard because you're always walking on eggshells and everything that you did was wrong or you had to be really careful. Okay. Was it, was I right? Was, was that the right answer? Everything was criticized, how I stood, how I talked, the words I used, how, what clothes I wore. So growing up, I, I focused on other things. What could I control? I could control myself. I can control my grades. I could control my, my performance in sports or art, my creativity. And so I focused on those things because at least I knew if I did well in those, then I couldn't be punished. So that was kind of my motivating factor. And it had a huge influence, right or wrong, it is what it is. And, you know, I have no qualms about it. It's just, that was how I grew up. And so I kept going. And by the time I was a teenager, I was helping pay for the bills and taking care of my mom and tutoring her in college. But that also gave me knowledge when I was a young teenager of, hey, this is what college classes are like. Okay, I can read these and teach them to my mom. So I'll be able to do college. So why not go to college and get a few degrees while I'm there? And it pushed me to get scholarships. It pushed me to travel the world. So in a sense, we can often take something that's not exactly a pleasant experience and still have it be the most influential person in our lives. And I am grateful for those experiences. When she passed away, I told her, I forgive everything that happened. We resolved our relationship after not speaking for nine years. And it was peaceful. I told her I loved her. I told her everyone loved her. And she smiled and she passed away holding my hand and squeezing it. And it was beautiful because there was no ill will. I know in my heart, she was trying to make me a good person. It was a hard way to do it, hard lessons for me. But in the end, I'm very self-aware and I try to make decisions and actions based on, is this a good move? Is this going to bring the most peace to everyone involved? Is this going to be helpful to everyone involved? So in that sense, you know, I've had to go from hypersensitivity and hyper-awareness to being okay with myself. And there's a lot of learning that went on. And so I'm grateful for it. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. It's, I, I hope that that story will bring some, yeah. some support, 
right? To folks that might be listening, yeah, going exactly. through some similar situations as far as where mm-hmm. you, where the outcome might be, yeah. right? Because you've taken yeah. some of that adversity and you've turned it into some fantastic things in your life uh, with your business and how you prov- yeah. provide help and support mm-hmm. with folks. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. I know that's that's that was a tough time for you growing up, I'm sure. Yeah. So this might be part of that. But my next mm-hmm. question is, what has been the greatest challenge in your life? And what is it that you learned from it? I would definitely say growing up was was part of it. But I would say even more recently, starting a business. So growing up, education, that was one thing my mom instilled in me is education, learn, grow, develop. And she was like a very stickler to that. But the one thing that she didn't put high value on and I didn't put high value on was business. So growing up, I learned subjects. I learned math. I learned um, science. In college, it was French, Spanish, biology, math. It was it was subjects. It wasn't how to live in the real world. And so back in early 2019, end of 2018, I had just come off a worldwide trip where I was hired to help a gentleman out of a couple surgeries and I had decided to start a business. I had not had business courses. I didn't take economics. I didn't know anything about a business. I had no clue how to start a business. And I said, okay, I'm going to start a business. I have no clue what to do. I'll start with a website. I will get a business EIN. And I didn't even know what that was. Someone just told me to do that. Someone told me I needed a business bank account. I was like, how do you get a business bank account? What do I do with a business bank account? I didn't even know what name I was going to use. And that was hard because I had always had a job. I had always worked for someone. I had safety and security. As long as I did a good job, someone wasn't going to fire me. And I thrived on security and safety. And here I was coming back, suffering a little bit from some PTSD related to the trip. And I was starting a business and I had no clue what I was doing. And for several months, I didn't have income. I had no income. I was just spending money right and left, trying to figure out, okay, how do I get clients? What do I do? I reached out to people that I had worked on in previous jobs and said, hey, I am now setting up a business and I'm doing it cash-based and I'm not doing insurance and I'm trying to figure this all stuff out. And it was it was literally the biggest challenge because it caused the most growth in me in the shortest period of time. And I kept hearing these annoying people saying, in order to grow a business, you have to work on yourself first. And I, I, all I could think of, what are you talking about? Because I need money. I am draining my bank account left and right. What do you mean work on myself? And that's when I was getting into personal development. And I thought all these people were crazy. They weren't logical. It wasn't black and white. It wasn't science. It was frou-frou in my mind, working on my mindset. And so I changed a lot. I went through a lot of ups and downs, a lot of roller coasters, a lot of tears, a lot of Amy, are you absolutely crazy? Why in the world did you take on this challenge? So um, there was a lot of learning going on since early 2019. And I like myself a lot better now. I'm more compassionate. I am more understanding. I don't take things at face value. I understand that everyone's going through something and 
how they present themselves may not be really them. They may be going through something. So just be patient and let them truly shine when they're ready for it. There's, I mean, the lessons go on and on and on. That that was mine. That was, so that falls in exactly in alignment with what I'm trying to promote and talk about with the podcast, right? The the blend, it's a blend between the personal development and the financial education businesses and understanding how the banking system works. Mm-hmm. Uh, basic business, the IN numbers, yep. uh, all of that. We are yeah. not taught these things growing no. up. And if no. you weren't exposed to it through either a parent or a mentor mm-hmm. or something like that, and you get out into the quote unquote real world, you're left holding the bag, trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. The good news is as you come through it, you start to realize and see that life can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that you said there towards the end, as far as what you're gaining experience doing, and I, I encourage that for everybody, but it's a blend. You've got to have both. You can have all the money success with the financial education as you want, but mm-hmm. if you're not developing your personal development on the side or along with that, it's going to be it's going to be more difficult for sure. Yeah. That's been my experience. So I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. That was that was great because I yeah. I will nominate myself saying that that is always that was a huge challenge trying to figure that kind of stuff out for myself building the business and figuring it out from the beginning it is and I I honestly wish they would teach that in high school it sounds incredibly boring or maybe they do now and I didn't I don't know about it but I you know I did all the AP classes and that wasn't an AP class but if we could somehow show people how to do this and Yeah, obviously, it's easier if you have a parent who's already an entrepreneur or a business owner. But if we could get people thinking just slightly differently, as they're growing and getting ready to go to college or choosing not to or whatever their choice is, if we can just start to get people to see how it all comes together, it will make that transition from high school to what's beyond so much easier. 100% 100% agree. That's a huge yeah. passion of mine, helping that that generation of folks mm-hmm. that are either getting ready to enter into the college realm or even have having left now for a while and realizing, okay, this isn't exactly what I signed up for. Yeah. And so now what, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're at that now what phase like you were when you came back in 2019. It's like, mm-hmm. now what I'm going to do? Well, then it's either you're going to figure it out on your own and stumble yeah. through or else you can find, mm-hmm. try to find some mentors and some guidance and some hope. So yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's what I appreciate you sharing that. And then, yeah, that's what I want you to try to provide that as much as we possibly can moving forward. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that. So last question, mm-hmm. and then we'll get a little bit more into yeah. uh, the good stuff as far as the, uh, the your institute and that type of thing. Yeah. But as far as if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, there again, mm-hmm. I really try to re- relate a lot of the wisdom that we've gained in our experiences, right? And go back to that 20-year-old self that you wish you knew then, but you, that you know now, and it might mm-hmm. even be related to the things you've already discussed, but what, what nugget of wisdom would you be interested in wanting to share with your 20 year old self that you wish you would have known then? This is a little bit different than what I've been talking about, but it's related is get around people who are doing the things that you want to do, or even that are doing things you're not sure if you want to do, but you should learn. So one of the biggest steps I took in 2019 was I was starting my business is I started to get around groups of investors and business owners, and I had no clue what they were talking about, but I just sat and I listened. And I wasn't a stupid person, 
but I, I felt like I literally just went over to Japan and I don't know Japanese. It's like, and I would sit at these conferences and these events that cost a lot of money, more than I'd ever spent for any education or schooling or anything else. And I just sat and listened. And occasionally I got brave enough to ask a question from someone who I didn't think would judge me for looking stupid. And I would ask questions. And I just sat and I listened and I tried to put together what they were talking about. And as I was going to these events, I realized these people are taking a lot of action. They're not sitting around at night watching TV. And I hadn't done that. I hadn't had a TV in 10 years. And I didn't know what was playing on regular TV stations. And I didn't even know what TV stations were. And, but they were doing something different with their life and how they spent their time. And they really put a value on time is precious. It wasn't money is precious, time is precious. And even though they were very money motivated, it was to get them freedom of their time. And I didn't realize that. And it took me a while to realize it. And so if I could go back to my 20-year-old self and say, get around people who value time, not that they're always working, but they value their time in trying to create time freedom, but they're also creating something. They're not stagnant. They're learning. And even if it's they're learning a sport or learning an art, just get around people who are constantly learning and don't ever let those people out of your life. Because as long as they are pushing and growing, they're going to be introducing you to people who think that way too. And your network grows that way. And it's just very beautiful because then you don't have regrets at the end of life. Beautiful. That's, yeah. that's yeah, that goes right along. It's very similar to everything I've learned as well. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's yeah. great advice. So if we can only go back to our 20s, right? Start all over, know. knowing I what know. we know now. Well, hopefully, that, again, hopefully that'll resonate with somebody and they'll yeah. be able to take that and, and take some action. Like you said, yeah. get involved with some groups, uh, meet some folks. You've got mm-hmm. to get in the room. Yeah. Sometimes it costs a little bit of money. Sometimes it's going to cost you a little bit of, of time to get there and be in the room. But the payoff, you can't put a price tag on the payoff. Meeting you, having you on this call mm-hmm. with me right now. Yeah. I mean, had yeah. we at some point not made the decision, we wouldn't have had the and had yeah. the relationship that we have now, which is a lot of fun. As I mentioned, yeah. we spoke about an hour before we hit record and we're just exactly. having a good time, right? It's just a lot yeah. of fun. It's a lot well, of Well, and you and your wife are great models to your kids who are in their early 20s, um, maybe a little bit younger too, um, late teens, early 20s. And you've taken them to some of these events. And that has been really touching because going to some of the events like the Real Estate Guys Radio Summit in Belize, they have young adult programs. I had no clue about that. And to find out some organizations like theirs are really trying to pull younger people into it. And they're including those those younger folks into the adult discussions, evening dinners and that. So that way they're learning their own stuff, but they're also getting pulled into the adults. And so the adults are realizing, you know what? I do need to pay attention to these younger kids and help them learn to show them this is a good way of existing. So you're just building up society from the ground up. That's been the kids. And I yeah. appreciate you mentioning that yeah. youngest is 21, 23 okay. and 25. Okay. And they, in the last two or three years have mm-hmm. been coming along with Stacy and I, my yeah. wife to these events. 
it's a lot of fun because they get tired of hearing dad talking about it all the time at, at home, right? Over the <laughs> yeah. dinner table or even when we're out talking, looking mm-hmm. at different things, talking about business, talking about investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, so then to get in these rooms, but then to be able to hold conversations with these yeah. folks, right? These mm-hmm. these super successful uh, in business and in, in investments in real estate and that type of thing. And for my kids to be there and have conversations with these folks has just been, as a dad, it's yeah. been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun, uh, very fulfilling to mm-hmm. see them now know, like we were just, that's, I think that's where that question really spawned from is because it, it, I wish, cause I tell my kids all the time, I wish I knew what you have, what you know now, and that mm-hmm. you can now begin taking different action and where will you be 20, 30, 40 years from now? Yeah. And so that's super exciting. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's very good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So talking about creating things. And the difficulty of creating your own business, I know that the PABR Institute has been mm-hmm. obviously a big journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you discovered this mm-hmm. new way of, of helping folks mm-hmm. uh, learn how to deal with different ailments and physical pain and, and that type of thing. Can you give us a little bit more or even if there's mm-hmm. any way to, I can just give you an example, something you helped me with. Mm-hmm. I shared with you. Uh, you probably don't even remember this conversation. Driving in a car, any mm-hmm. long distance, let's say mm-hmm. more than a couple of hours, I was always having low back pain. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm sitting this way now, and I know that I shouldn't be talking to you, uh-huh. but you expressed to me that it's because of the way I'm sitting in the car. Mm-hmm. You had you didn't even ask me how I was. It's like you just knew that I was. Yeah. So my yeah. point being is that you told me to let my belly out, mm-hmm. and I'm you know if I'm. If you yeah. see me on camera, you're you're seeing this, but yeah. So you told <laughs> mm-hmm. me to sit down, basically let my shoulders go, let my belly mm-hmm. go, and then you know what? Driving in a car because I do that now. I'll yeah. catch my. What happens is I start out maybe like that, mm-hmm. and then I start to have the pain. Yeah. And I remember our conversation, and I start to relax, and I sit back, mm-hmm. and I sit down, and I and I just kind of let things just be. Yeah. Everything changes. So yeah. that's a small example of the secret sauce that you have when it comes to mm-hmm. helping folks with their being. So is there, is there anything else like similar mm-hmm. to that, that, that comes to mind that you could share with folks that might be helpful for them, even just with some basic pain type things? Yeah. So the thing that we have to think about is we hold our body a certain way and we get trained to be a certain way and our nervous system follows suit and thinks, okay, If you hold your body in a state of fight or flight, I'm going to keep you in that state of fight or flight. And that's a natural process. The fighter, the state of fight or flight freeze or fawn. It's part of our, it's part of our nervous system called the autonomic nervous system. It's the sympathetic nervous system, but we also have the state of relaxation, repose, sleep, digestion. That's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. And we're supposed to have both of these systems, but often the things that we're taught from very little keeps us in a fight or flight state. And these are things that are taught by well-intentioned parents, coaches, teachers, you know, performing arts instructors, speech and debate instructors. We're taught to be in a fight or flight state because our idea of good posture, someone somewhere said it was chest out, shoulders back, suck up your gut, kind of that military Superman posture. And we're taught to do that in the military. It's used to keep those men and women on edge all the time. 
they want to be, they're trained to be in a fight or flight state so they can assess and detect any danger before it actually comes to reality. The problem is when you're taught to be like that all the time, your body locks up. You start pulling bones and joints out of position and you go to do something that's that's how you can get injured very easily. You slip a disc, herniate a disc, you can tear a muscle, you can pull a muscle, you get wear and tear on bones and you get arthritis and then arthritis is blamed on your pain, but it wasn't really the arthritis that caused the pain, it was the nervous system. So when we go through our day, ideally, as a human species and other animal species, we want to be more in a rest relaxation position. That doesn't mean go sit on the couch and sleep all day, but it means our body position should be in a relaxed position. So it has its full mobility and fluidity. So nothing is tight and and kinked up anywhere. And then if needed, the house catches on fire. Yes. Put yourself in fight or flight mode, run out of the house and get yourself to safety. The problem is we are taught to be in this fight or flight mode all the time. I mean, how many times are you taught sit on the edge of your chair, sit on an exercise ball, hold yourself rigid, tighten up your core, stand up straight, stand up and just suck everything in, lift that weight and tighten everything up in your body. We're taught all these things that lock us up and doesn't give our bones and joints permissions to move the way that they are naturally supposed to move. And that's the scary part. So there's a lot that goes into it because when when I work with someone, we have to look at everything they're doing. How do you reach? How do you bend over? How do you sit? How do you lie down? How do you sleep? How do you carry something? How do you tie your shoe? All of those can be done in a fight or flight state or a relaxation state. So one of the the things I knew about you and we had our conversation about you sitting in your truck is I... I had already seen the way you carry yourself. So I already knew you carry yourself in a fight or flight position. So I know you're going to sit that way too. So I know at a certain point over a course of two hours of driving in your truck, yeah, your back's going to scream at you because it's tired of doing all the work of sitting you in a position that you can drive where you're pressing down on a gas pedal and a brake. It's going to be tired of that. And your back is, those muscles are going to be compressed on the spine, which further drives up the fight or flight nervous system. And it's eventually going to tell you, please, Randy, stop. We want to turn off. Give us a break. It's our turn to take a rest. And so what I did with you is say, okay, first, we have to get your rib cage to drop down. And this goes with anyone. And this, this applies to any sitting position. You have to get the rib cage back down instead of up in your ears. The only way you can get it down is you have to let your belly button go. That's kind of like your gatekeeper. So if you let that belly button go, you can feel the front of your rib cage start to drop down. And for most people, it feels pretty good, especially if you're, you have to do this when you're sitting against a support surface. So sit all the way back in the chair, because a lot of people, once they let go of their back, if they have any back issues or anything that's kind of off kilter or off position, it, it may cause some pain. So you have to sit all the way back in your chair and then let your belly out and the rib cage starts to drop down. And you can feel this relief. Now, some people, they're so trained, they can't let their belly button go. And I have many clients like that. They're like, wait a second. What do you mean? Let my belly button go. It doesn't go out anymore because they're so trained to suck it in. And I see this in endurance athletes, high achieving people, um, and just 
you know, models, former models, anyone who's been in the position where they have to tighten everything up and keep everything, you know, sucked in, they don't even know how to do that. So sometimes it takes even longer. And so what I'm saying, they'll say, I, I can't feel an effect. Yeah, because they don't know how to let go. So the rib cage can drop down. But beyond that, though, if you're sitting in a chair, if you're most people are sitting in a chair that's too tall for them, if their hips are higher than the knees, it's going to turn the back on because your pelvis tips forward. So you're still in a problem. So you have to look at your knee height, make sure it's at the level of that hip crease or a little bit higher, give your back permission to relax. So those two things that you can look at and do now set you up for a state of relaxation. So now when we change your breathing mechanics, your body can actually relax and let go of the muscle contractions developed in your nervous system because you're in a heightened state. So we walk your body through this process of, first, we have to get you to learn how to relax. Then we have to get you to breathe and relax. Then we have to get you to stabilize in that position. And then how do you carry it out in daily life? And that's where the beauty comes from. Luckily for you, you didn't have chronic back pain all the time. It was just this situation when you were driving. And so I could tell you, do this, this, and this, and we could get you to turn things off and you could be good. Now, if you had back pain and it was all the time, it would be a lot more involved. So I just want to caution people and they're like, wait a second, how are we going to be that quick? It can be that quick if, depending on your situation and what's going on. And that's for me, as you mentioned, it's not, I don't have back pain all the time. It was just something that was obvious to me that I I knew that you'd be able to help me. And sure enough, and I tried it and I I actually just did it again this last weekend. We had about a four hour trip and Mm -hmm. about a couple hours. So I I start out not necessarily paying attention Mm -hmm. until I start to feel fatigue. It doesn't get to the pain like I used to, but it's fatigue, right? It starts Mm -hmm. to feel tired. And then I just remember, oh yeah, Amy said I need to relax. And so I just <laughs> yeah. relax. Yeah. And as soon as I do that, the, it's almost instantaneous. The pain mm-hmm. almost instantaneously goes away, which is, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. So yeah. can you give some examples of some of the benefits you've written? We haven't talked about it, but mm-hmm. a story in the, uh, it's called Success Habits mm-hmm. book. You had a story in there and you talked about it in your story about how you were like testing yourself to see if you could take when you were starting to realize that Mm -hmm. this was a a thing, right? That Mm -hmm. this could really be helping folks. You put yourself through a a grueling multiple month Mm -hmm. marathon. And if you're not (laughs) familiar with ultra marathons, we're talking (laughs) about hundred mile races. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk? You you remember that experience I'm I'm referring to? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That was like... From what I understand, that was like your first test personally. It's like you wanted to try it on yourself to see if if what you're learning was going to be real. And it sounds like it was. Yeah. So one year, I think it was in 2016, I wanted to test this out on a speed issue. So I wanted to see if I could run marathons close together at a high speed with little training. And so I did that in 2016. Um, I think I ran a 329, 326, and 329 marathon within a few weeks. I know one, I did the 326, and then two weeks later, I did a 329. And I think a few weeks after that, I did another 329, something in that range. And so that was kind of like my year of testing speed 
And when I say 329, three hours and 29 minutes to requalify for Boston, and I just wanted to see if I could do it. But then in 2017, I said, okay, I'm going to, I want to do this differently. I want to change it and test endurance and see if I can test myself and push myself repetitively, but calm myself down. So my body goes back to neutral and I release all the, the stress tension that developed from the emotional experience and the physical experience of running these races. So it started with a race in mid-January. It was a, a road marathon, 26.2 miles. I ran it. I was going to run it slow as a training run for a 100-mile race I had six days later. And in the middle of it, I realized I was doing fairly well. And a friend shouted out, you could qualify for Boston again. And this was about halfway through the race. And I said, ooh, hot dog. Okay, let's go for it screw the hundred miler. Sorry, but whatever. And so just that, that you all you had to do is dangle Boston in front of me. And so I picked up my pace in the second half of the marathon and I finished it running, you know, as fast as I could in a nervous system under control condition. So as fast as I could without overtaxing myself or developing pain. And so I qualified for Boston. I was very excited. And then I said, okay, now I have five and a half days to recover to run 100 miles in the mountains. And so right away after that marathon, I calmed myself down. I I usually do a specific squat to get everything back in neutral, walk around, and I just kept focusing, calm, 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 release, calm, make sure your breathing mechanics are correct. And I did that for six days. And then I went into this 100-mile ultra marathon. And I went into it pain-free, no issues or anything. I ran the first 60 miles just fine. And then I became sleepy. So I didn't have pain or issues. I was just sleepy because I had taxed my body more than I normally would. And I'm a person who loves sleep and dotes on sleep and knows the importance of sleep. And so here it was, I can't remember sometime 10 o'clock at night and I, all I wanted to do was sleep. So the second 40 miles of that, or, you know, the next, the last 40 miles of it, I was walk jogging and I had, they call them pacers. So I had a person go with me from mile 60 to 80, a different person from 80 to hundred. And I took two 15 minute naps during this process. So I finished that hundred miler. And then I said, okay, four, I have, now four weeks to recover because now I have a hundred K, which is a 62 point something miler. And I got through that one. No problems, horrendous conditions, um, in the forties, mud, hail, sleet all day long. Um, I ended up with hypothermia for the last eight miles. I tried to quit because of the hypothermic conditions, but I didn't have the pain issues. It was I can't feel from my calves on down because I was going through eight inches of mud with rain pouring on me and quite a few of my friends quit. Um, And I I really did try to quit that one just because of the weather conditions, but no one came to rescue me. So I finished it (laughs) and I was fine. Just lost several toenails and had black toes. Um, And then a week later I did a 20, a 26.2 mile road marathon. And a week after that, because I'm crazy. I did a 50 mile uh, mountain race again. So another one and finished it and had no body issues other than 
I wanted to sleep a lot. So. And that's the key is that yeah. it's with no pain, no physical yeah. pain. And, I was fine. And you're, you're very much in shape, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Putting your body through that much of a grueling task in that short of a window of time, I've not tried that. So I can't sit here and tell you that I understand exactly what that felt like, but I can imagine what it did. Yeah. I don't think that I do. I'm going to take your word for it, that that was excruciating. But at the end of the day, for you to get through all that with no pain is the miracle part of that story, Yeah, which goes back into the ability and your ability then to control your system and your breathing Mm -hmm. to the point where your body was allowed to heal even if there was, you know, there wasn't necessarily anything to heal because it was already functioning properly. Yeah. It was always doing the right things. Yeah. I've heard you sell stories about you've helped folks that were on the verge of surgery mm-hmm. and you've been able to help them through this process, uh, mm-hmm. skip it altogether yeah. and, and continuously yeah. not have any issues. Mm-hmm. Is there any, is there an example that comes to your mind that I know there's been multiple? Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell one and this one's, kind of important because it covers a couple topics. So I started working with a a woman. She, at the time she was a psychologist. She's also been a psychiatric nurse. She was in her early seventies and she was still working. And she had heard about what I do. And this was back in 2016. And she was amused by it. She had been getting injections in her knees three times a year for a decade she had been on anti-inflammatories daily for decades. And she, besides being a psychologist and working with clients, she also liked to travel the world to photograph wildlife. And so that usually involves climbing in and out of zodiacs, walking on uneven surfaces. And, and she was a little bit overweight too. And she, she would admit that. But she hadn't really cared for herself physically. But as a psychologist, you're hearing very traumatic stories quite a bit of the day. And it's hard to keep that out of your body. And so she was scheduled for a knee replacement. And I had met her in March and she was scheduled for a knee replacement in August of 2016. She's bone on bone. It had been that way for years. And she got to the point where the injections weren't really doing much for her anymore. And she was just tired of having to have to go to the doctor all the time and be in pain. And so she overheard me talking to someone blowing up balloons and straws and she was just curious and so in june she had just finished some vacations and she drove an hour to see me and we started working and i didn't work on her knee she didn't want anyone touching her knee i didn't touch her knee or anything like that and i just started teaching her how to calm her nervous system down and how to get her rib cage in position so her diaphragm could work how she could calm and release all the tension that developed in her body that she didn't even feel or sense or was even aware about. And she came back the next visit and she said, how, how quickly is this supposed to happen? I said, really depends. Some people who practice what I say, you can have an effect very quickly. I expect you to have a change every time I work with you, but how much of a change really depends on the person and their history and how accepting that they are. She's like, well, the pain went away. I said, oh, that's great. I said, but we still have work to do. And she's like, okay, okay. And she didn't have pain. The next one after that, or the one after that. And after a couple of weeks, she canceled her knee replacement surgery. And that was in August of 2016. And she hasn't taken an anti-inflammatory or have an injection since then. And she's been to the Arctic, to the Antarctic since then. She's traveled all over the world. She go, She can walk up and down hills to hike and climb in and out of Zodiacs. And 
does is there, does our arthritis exist? Yes. Arthritis is a degeneration of cartilage. It doesn't equate pain, but we often say, oh, you have pain. Oh, you have arthritis. I can see on your x-ray. Oh, you have pain. I'm like, no, it's your nervous system that tells your muscles to behave in a way that causes things to butt up against each other. That causes a pain. And so I didn't even touch her knee. She calmed her nervous system down, released the muscles. Her knee went back to its normal working conditions and whoop, she's out of pain. Yeah. That story mm-hmm. reminds me yeah. to what we were sharing earlier in our conversation mm-hmm. about not knowing, right? Yeah. That the business, the financial part of life. So mm-hmm. the, even the, the medical part of pain, yeah, right? All of that arthritis. If we don't know, and I say we, I mean just general yeah. public. Mm-hmm. It's if we don't know that there's yeah. alternatives, we don't even know what to do. Or even that yes. it's even a, a possibility. So do yeah. you hear these things as, and they're, they're, you're proving that all the time. I hear new stories about new success stories you've had with folks all the time. So it's, mm-hmm. and you've, and I, the simple story I shared about myself, Yeah, it's proof that it's true and, and that it works. And so that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So for you to have allowed yourself to have the awareness that, that this was a thing, prove it out on yourself first through this excruciating journey of all those things. And then now you're like implementing it into folks' life and you're changing people's lives moving forward. That's super cool. And that's where, yeah, it's really awesome to watch. Well, and the best part of it is I'm guiding them to learn this stuff. I'm not doing it to them. That's the best part is once I teach you to sense and feel something differently, it's now all in you. It's all your power. It's all under your control. No one can unteach you that. So you always now have control over keeping your body pain-free and freed up. Or you can choose to go the opposite and you can lock it back up. Like, but the thing, that's the thing. It's I'm you don't have to rely on me. You can implement it yourself from here on out. And that's like, it doesn't get much better than that when you teach someone something. That's the beauty of education and teaching. That is the beauty. Yeah. And, and good for you to do that. Yeah. Helping yeah. so many folks begin to live pain-free. Things mm-hmm. that I'm sure that they, before meeting you, didn't even think that it was even possible. Yeah. So good for you. And that's, yeah, that's fantastic. So we didn't really necessarily get into even uh, your photography. Is Let's touch base a little bit mm-hmm. on that. Before we give people, and I guarantee you, Mm -hmm. folks are out there like, okay, I need to talk to Amy. So I need to figure out how to do that. And and trust me, folks, we're going to get there. So, but quickly, Mm -hmm. just because that's another fascinating part of you to me is I I consider myself creative. Mm -hmm. And so I love photography. We've had a little bit of discussions about it. So, but your ability to capture images is extraordinary. I don't even know how else to put it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. You've traveled, you're a world traveler. Mm-hmm. You've, mm-hmm. you've experienced some uh, very cool things and captured them. Uh, it, I almost say film, it's not film anymore, but yeah. you know, digitally you catch those, those, <laughs> yeah. those images. So can you yeah. talk a little bit about that as well? Sure. Yeah. Back in 2016, early 2016, I decided to start volunteering for a nonprofit that is called Arizona Highways Photoscapes. And they take people on different educational photo workshops. And so I just volunteered to help run the logistics. And I didn't know anything about photography other than you hold a camera up and point a button, push a button, and voila, you have a photo. 
So I edited one of their photo 101 books for them, um, doing, you know, the grammar and checks and all that. And at the same time, I was trying to learn. It's like, okay, I got to learn this stuff. What, do, what does he mean? Manual setting, aperture? Like, what? So I, I went through that, trying to learn as much as possible so I could be somewhat of use in these workshops that I was volunteering to help with. And so I did that for a couple, several years and just just try to learn, listen. Same thing as what I did with the investment courses. Just sit back, shut your mouth and listen. But I had always been fascinated by art and beauty and how to make things look just peaceful. And so it first started with landscapes because I found that easier because you just look at one thing and just make sure your lighting is correct and you want to create a good composition and make sure everything just helps your eyes move around the page or the photo. And then I switched to wildlife, which is my absolute favorite thing in the world to do is wildlife photography. Um, one, because I've always loved animals, but two, it is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I always go for the hard things because you have to get the animal looking at the right direction or tell some emotion or tell some story, but the background matters, the lighting matters, and they don't listen to us. They have a mind of their own. And so it's like, okay, I can't control it. Okay. Okay. That's why I'm interested because I can't control it. And so I have to figure out how to get better and more in tune with the animals and their lifestyle so I can do a good job representing their beauty. Yeah. Well, you, from what I've seen, because mm -hmm. you produce a calendar, at mm -hmm. least I don't know how many years in a row you've done this now. I guess maybe two or three. I think it's like six now. Has it been that many? I think it's been since 2016. So maybe seven. I've lost track. <laughs> Okay. Well, we need to make sure that, and we'll yeah. put it in the show notes as well, sure. where they, where folks can learn mm -hmm. how they can see some of your yeah. work because it's, it's absolutely stunning. Yeah. It's absolutely Thank beautiful. You. So bringing this in a little bit for mm -hmm. a landing, yeah. just, is there anything else you'd like to share with folks as far as some words of encouragement, whether it be yeah. pain or even, uh, mm -hmm. even some wildlife photography, is there anything else you'd like to, to share with folks? Sure. One thing that people don't often realize is they often hold their breath and they suck up their gut. So just some simple things that they can do to help their nervous system is check in with yourself, set an alarm or something and let yourself breathe. Um, just check to make sure you're not holding your breath. And then at least several times a day, every hour, sit back in your chair, let your belly go. If you can start doing those things, your nervous system is starting to get permission it's okay to relax and recover. Doesn't mean you're a slob. It doesn't mean you're a slouch. It doesn't mean you're going to be less successful, which is a big issue with a lot of people. And so just that slight change can be huge in the course of, in the grand scheme of your life, just even in one day. If we can just start kind of putting, if you put glasses on, you have a filter on them and look at it from a nervous system approach, you can start to make big changes. So that's something you can do physically that you can get started with right away. The wildlife photography part is also it's like my cherry on top, where when I'm out there, my nervous system is so in just a flow of bliss and happiness. So we need that in our life. We need to find whatever that is that just gives us that spark and just allows us to glow to everyone else. And so if you can find that, whatever that is for you, try to take some time every week to, to do a little bit of it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know, I just, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that folks are going to be wanting to reach out to you and find out more about where they can learn more about the mm-hmm. techniques. Do you have anything as far as uh, a place where folks can, can reach you? Any, yeah. any place where they can go? Yeah, they can go to my website. So it's pabrinstitute.com, P-A-B-R institute.com. And on there, you can reach me through there. There's a way to do that. You can get on an email list. If you want to work one-on-one, we can do that. I do have video courses now that you can start to learn some of the fundamentals on your own, on your own time. We know how busy everyone is nowadays. Sometimes they don't have time to set aside to work with me one-on-one. So that's a great thing. And also I work with people internationally and sometimes the time zones don't match up. So that's another way to get access to this information and to learn it and really dive into it. Well, like I said, I'm sure that folks are going to be reaching out and trying to learn more. And folks, I encourage you to do that. Amy here is a wealth of knowledge. She has plenty of experience. She's helped a ton of people. She's even helped me uh, and a lot of my friends as well. So I encourage you to reach out, learn these different ways, learn these different techniques to start beginning to get yourself in a better position, eliminate some pain, feel better, learn how to adapt in ways that you just never even thought was possible. It's like we talked about from the very beginning to mm-hmm. learn something, to become aware of a new way, whether you're beginning a business, personal development journey, or learning how to breathe and take care of and letting your belly go. It all relates to a better life. So Amy, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, folks, I hope you've found a ton of value in this, in this episode as well. So Amy, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to having you back on again sometime soon. Thank you again, Randy. All right. Folks, until next time, thank you now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends.